Good evening, everybody, and welcome back to the Haunted Collection with your host, writer, paranormal investigator, and haunted collector, Kevin Kane, here to bring you more tales of terror, creepy antics from the supernatural world, to chill your very marrow. Before we get started... Shameless plug here. Be sure to go check out myhaunteddolls.com for all the books that I have published. I have every one of them available out there for autograph. You'll get them cheaper there than Amazon, so be sure to check that out and get your autograph copy today, including my newest book, My Haunted Collection, The Dark Side, which tells stories about some of the Haunted dolls and items in my collection that have a much, much darker, scarier history. Terrifying stories behind them. So, get your fear on and buy a copy today. MyHauntedDolls.com Also, be sure to check out my YouTube page, especially now. I have an easier URL to locate it. It's youtube.com forward slash c forward slash my haunted dolls that's youtube.com forward slash c is in cat forward slash my haunted dolls i just posted a video this last weekend a couple of things one is a live stream that captured some eerie noises from the bedroom where some of my haunted dolls are located it's a two-hour live feed from last Saturday night. Go ahead and it's archived out there, so go ahead and check that out. And also, I have a new addition to my collection, the Haunted Baby Mannequin that was featured on the Ghost of the Battlefield episode of Ghost Nation on the Sci-Fi Channel. I do have a video of that out there. I obtained it from the store the haunted antique store in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, where the episode was filmed. So be sure to check that out. I do a spirit box session with the the mannequin and K2 meter. Got some very interesting activity there. And now, without further ado, let's get on to our first story. This one is a classic which is based on it's based on a classic that uh, Charles Dickens, the author of A Christmas Carol, heard from his nursemaid, and it's closely linked to the Bluebeard folk tales. It's a story called Captain Murderer. Once upon a time, there was a gentleman named Captain Murderer. He was a diabolical character, but he was also very handsome and very rich. Despite his suspicious name, he was invited to all the best parties, admitted to all the best social events, and considered the most eligible bachelor in the area. Captain Murderer had an eye for the ladies, and he wanted to find himself a wife. Nothing made him drool like the sight of a tender young bride decked out in her white wedding gown. 
Over the years, he married quite a few young girls who caught his fancy. He rode around town in a coach drawn by six horses. All of his horses were milk white, and they all had one red spot on their backs. What nobody knew was that each red spot was a drop of blood from one of his young brides. On the morning of his latest wedding, he placed a wreath made of curious flowers on the head of the young girl he was about to marry. Captain Murderer, said his pretty young bride, I never saw flowers like these before. What are they called? They're called Garnish, he replied, and he let out a hard laugh at his own joke, displaying a sharp row of teeth. When the wedding reception was over and all the guests had gone home, Captain Murderer was finally alone with his young bride. He took out a rolling pin and a wooden board and asked the young lady if she could make pie crust. The bride turned up her laced silk sleeves and began to roll out the dough to make a pie. The captain brought out an enormous silver pie dish and laid it on the table. Then he set out flour and butter and eggs and all the things needed for the pie, except for the meat. The lovely young bride looked around and said, Captain Murderer, what kind of pie is this supposed to be? A meat pie, he replied. But Captain Murderer, the lovely young bride said, I don't see any meat. The captain smiled and said, Look in the mirror. She looked in the mirror, but she still couldn't see any meat, and the captain roared with laughter. Roll out the crust, he growled. So the bride rolled out the crust and lined the dish with it. She cut the crust to fit the top, and then the captain took out his sword. What's that sword for? the bride asked. To cut up the meat, said Captain Murderer. But where's the meat? the bride asked. I see the meat in the mirror, he replied. The bride looked up at the mirror just in time to see the captain swinging his sword and cutting off her head. He chopped her up into pieces, salted her, and peppered her, and put her in the pie. Then he sent it to the baker's where it was cooked, and when it came back, he ate it all, and picked his teeth with the bones. Captain Murderer went on like this, marrying a succession of naive young girls and prospering exceedingly. Then, one day, he came across two twin sisters. One of them had blonde hair, and the other had brown hair. At first, he didn't know which one to choose because they were both equally beautiful. However, the blonde twin fell for him head over heels, 
and the dark twin was suspicious of him. So he chose the blonde one. The dark twin would have prevented the marriage if she could, but she could not talk her sister out of it. On the night before the wedding, she sneaked out and made her way to Captain Murderer's house. She climbed over his garden wall and looked in at his window through a chink in the shutter. She saw him having his teeth filed sharp by the local blacksmith, and she overheard him making a joke about flowers and garnish. The next day, Captain Murderer and the blonde twin were married. He took her home and had her roll out the dough for the pie crust. Then he cut her pretty head off, chopped her into pieces, salted and peppered her, put her in the pie, sent it to the baker's, had it cooked, ate it all, and then picked his teeth with the bones. Now the dark twin had grown even more suspicious, and when she put everything together, she decided that her sister must be dead. She was so sure of the truth that she was determined to have her revenge. So she went up to Captain Murderer's house and knocked at the knocker and pulled at the bell. And when the captain came to the door, she said, Captain Murderer, please marry me next. I always loved you, and I was so jealous of my sister. The captain took this as a compliment and made a polite marriage proposal. The girl accepted, and the wedding was quickly arranged. On the night she was to, before she was to be married, the dark-haired bride sneaked out again and made her way to Captain Murderer's house. She climbed over his garden wall and peeked in his window. Again, she saw him having his teeth filed sharp by the local blacksmith. When she saw this, the girl let out such a terrible laugh that the captain heard it through the chink in the shutter, and it almost curdled his blood. I hope nothing I've eaten has disagreed with me, he exclaimed. At that, she laughed again, a still more terrible laugh, and the captain rushed to the window and opened the shutter, but the girl was already gone, and he could see nothing there. The next day, they went to the church in a coach drawn by six white horses, and they were married. When Captain Murderer brought her home, he told her to roll out a pie crust, and when she was done, he cut off her head, chopped her into pieces, salted her, and peppered her, put her in the pie, sent it to the baker's, had it cooked, ate it all, and then picked his teeth with the bones. But... Before the dark-haired girl began to roll out the dough, she had taken a deadly poison. The most awful poison she could find, 
distilled from toads' eyes and spiders' knees. When Captain Murderer had finished picking his teeth with her bones, his belly began to swell up, and his face began to turn blue. Spot and boils burst out on his face, and he began to scream. He went on swelling and swelling and turning more and more blue, and the spots and boils kept bursting out on his face, and he kept screaming until his body was so bloated and distorted that he reached from floor to ceiling and from wall to wall. Then, at one o'clock in the morning, he clawed at the air with both hands, let out a long, low, hollow groan, and blew up with a loud explosion. At the sound of it, all the milk-white horses in the stables broke loose from their halters and went mad. They galloped through Captain Murderer's house and trampled over everybody in their way, including all his servants and the blacksmith who had filed his teeth, until each and every one of them were dead. And then all the horses galloped away into the night. Now that was a terrific story. I can only imagine young Charles Dickens laying in bed while his nursemaid is telling the story to him. And what kind of nightmares he must have had after hearing that. Wow. Next up for our second story, we have a creepy tale to tell in the darkness around a campfire, especially if you're out in the woods camping. Makes for a perfect story around that campfire at night. This one is called Dark and Lonely Road. Every night you sit there in the comfort and safety of your home, but you have no idea of what is going on outside in the darkness. Not far from your home, there is a dark and lonely place. You may not know about it, but it's there. All over the country, in small towns and cities, there are so many of these dark and lonely places. When I was a young boy, I lived in a small town. Johnny Craig lived across the street from me. I was friends with his big brother. He was just a baby then. I saw him growing up, but I never paid much attention to him. Sometimes in the evening, my mother would send me out to the local store to buy a carton of milk or a bag of sugar. On the way to the shop, I had to pass a long, dark stretch of road. During the day, it was just a shady place lined with old, gnarled trees and vacant lots where nothing had been built and nothing was ever going to be built. I was never afraid of it by day, 
But at night, it was a different place. A lonesome place. A place of darkness and strangeness. A place of terror and fear. There were no houses nearby. No street lights. It was pitch black. As black as black could be. Dark as the deepest night. The tall trees blocked out the moon and the stars casting their long shadows across the road. Whenever you had to go that way, you walked slower and slower. It was like stepping into a dark tunnel. Behind you were the lights of the house, the sound of cars, and people walking along the sidewalk. Ahead of you, there was just a long, lonely stretch of darkness in which anything could be lurking. Anything at all. Every time I had to pass that place at night, I would dread it. I kept hoping somebody would come along so I wouldn't have to work alone, to walk alone. But nobody ever came. As I walked along that dark stretch of road, I would keep my eyes fixed on the trees, half expecting to see something or someone lurking there in the darkness. Perhaps it was the boogeyman. My mother had often told me about the boogeyman and how he waited in dark places for boys and girls who strayed from the path. Perhaps it was a child predator. My mother had always warned me about evil men who tried to lure children with the promise of candy and puppy dogs. Perhaps it was something else, something worse. Out of the corner of my eye, I would catch glimpses of misshapen figures crouching there in the pitch black, waiting for the moment when they would burst forth and pounce on me. Then, in that silent and isolated area, they would begin tearing me and rending me and doing unspeakable things to me, and nobody would ever see me again. I'm not sure what I expected to see lurking in that lonely place at night. My imagination always got the better of me. In my mind, it was a hideous creature, somewhere between animal and man. It had long, spindly limbs and huge, sharp claws. It had wet, slimy skin and eyes that burned like fire. I imagined it hiding in the branches of those old trees, dropping down without a sound and stalking the unwary boys and girls who passed along the dark and lonely road at night. One night it almost got me. I was walking down the lonely road and all of a sudden there wasn't any light up ahead. That's when I knew it was coming. I could just feel it waiting there in the darkness. I started running 
desperate to get away, but I could feel it behind me. It was gaining on me. I could feel its breath on the back of my neck. I ran. I ran as fast as I could. I ran until I thought my heart would burst. It almost had me in its clutches, but I managed to get away. When I got back to the safety of my house, I looked at myself in the mirror, and there was a long, jagged rip in the back of my shirt, as if a sharp claw had tried to grab me and just missed by an inch. That scared me real bad. And afterwards, I hated going down that lonely road more than ever. Some night I won't come back, I warned my mother. She just laughed and told me not to be silly. There's something out there in the dark, I told her. There's nothing there in the dark that isn't there in the light, she assured me. What do adults know about the world? Grown-ups think they know everything. They place their trust in what they read, but they only read what is reported in newspapers and on TV. They drive around in their cars and never have to walk anywhere at night. They don't know what goes on out there in the dark in the wretched, lonely places where no light ever shines, and the darkness hangs like a cloud on the ground, and no bird ever sings. I know they wouldn't believe me. I knew there was nothing I could say to convince them that something or someone lived down there, among the trees, on that dark and lonely stretch of road. As I grew older, I gradually forgot about the lonely road. I got taller. I went to high school. I started playing football and learned to drive. And I started dating girls. The years passed by, and somehow I forgot about the thing that lurked there in the darkness. The memory of it still remained in a distant corner of my mind, but it was a memory locked away in childhood. The years passed by, but I never thought about the other kids who had to walk down that dark and lonely road at night. Three days ago, Johnny Craig went missing. He lived across the street from me, I was friends with his big brother. He was just a baby then. I saw him growing up, but I never paid much attention to him. Not until he went missing. They found him in the trees on that dark and lonely stretch of road. His body was torn and ripped and crushed, almost beyond recognition. The police said he had been mauled by some kind of animal. The moment I heard about it, I knew what happened. Johnny Craig had been murdered by the thing my childhood fears had created.
the thing I had conjured up in my imagination. I had left it on that dark and lonely stretch of road. I had left it there to wait for some scared little boy who happened to be walking home one dark night. A little boy who could not run as fast as I could run. After that, the town cut down the trees and put up street lights. That stretch of road is not dark and lonely anymore. The thing that lurked there is now gone. It's gone somewhere else, where the people are unsuspecting, to some other small town. A small town like yours, where it will wait again, just as it did here. It will wait for some other frightened little boy or girl to come along. It's only a matter of time. Ooh, that's a good creepy tale and a great way to end this episode of The Haunted Collection. Thank you for tuning in and for listening, for your support. Again, be sure to check out MyHauntedDolls.com to purchase your autographed book today. Be sure to check out my YouTube channel at YouTube.com forward slash C forward slash MyHauntedDolls. And check out the creepy videos of EVPs and spirit box sessions and stories of my haunted dolls and items out there. And until the next time we meet here at the Haunted Collection... Please, please, have a happy haunting. 